insert NASCAR start sign. Well, a, a NASCAR start sign? What, a, what? Do they start NASCAR races with a gunshot? They just wave the flag. That's actually a really good question. Like, um, is there any gunshots involved? I mean, you can't really hear it in the cars anyway, so I think they, that's probably why I it's visual. I think they wave the flag. I yeah. The flag. It's too yeah. loud. You probably can't hear. Yeah. Well, what's new? What's popping? I feel weird. I'm, like, sitting next to you and not across from you, so I can't, like, talk to you very well. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you. I know. You can you look know? at the side of my I'm, head. I'm observing. Okay. You know? I can hear you. You know? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I think. You just now you just can't like give me like dirty looks when I say stuff. I can side eye. You, you, you can side eye, <laughs> you know. Um. Well, I didn't really come up with any news today because I got very carried away with reading and it turned out longer than it needs to be. News? So no, no news. Just there's all. No, there's no news. That all can, topic. No news. That can't be true in in this twenty four hour news media cycle. There well, must be news. There's there news that news. we went, well there's a hurricane hitting Florida right now. Tampa, watch there's out down there. Yes. Um, well we went and saw Oppenheimer. RIP all the beach chairs in the world. Ugh, toast. Add them to the trash island. Yeah. We went and saw Oppenheimer on Sunday. Yeah. And it's a very loud movie. Yes. It's not they need to tone the volume down. Yeah, I don't know how to about loud movies, you know. <laughs> Such an old person thing to say. No, it's I'm, too loud. It My w- prune juice wasn't free. You know, I... Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Well, I will say, despite your insults, I did find the noise levels rather inappropriate. Yeah, no, they're... Like, well, the, the worst... It, like, you're expecting it when, like, their Trinity test is going on, which isn't even the loudest part of the movie, and it should be because it's the only bomb that goes off. Yeah. But the loudest part is like when he's having those like flashes to like the to the, like the bomb or like to whatever they're like sp- electron splitting. Yeah. And it's just like think like him, Killian Murphy, just kind of stewing like he stews best, and is then it, it just Killian? flashes. I feel like it's, it's Killian. Killian. Is it, is I it, this has been debunked. It is Killian. Has he told you that? Not personally. Yeah. I'd probably cry have if you, I met you, Killian have Murphy. You, well, have you seen an interview where he says actually? Yeah, they they say Killian. It's Killian. Well, Killian's a very well, common well, Irish name. Well, he's too like well, I mean, so is Cillian. Is it? I don't know. Maybe you're you a filthy liar. <laughs> um, but like no, but Killian is is an, is 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 both a K. Why would well Google well Google just has some slanted answer. It's Cillian. Spelled Cillian. Yeah. Murphy. I don't know. I I always thought it was Cillian. See, Killian on Google. Whatever. You know. I don't know if it has... I don't know. Speaking of real movies... Here, let's... What do you... Do do do, Who do you trust? The mirror? I don't trust anything on the internet. That's why... Well, this is helpless then. (laughs) You don't trust anything I tell you then. I trust Killian Murphy on this this matter. Well, I would too. Actually, I trust his parents. Uh, Anyway... He would be stewing, and then all of a sudden go. Yeah. It'd be really loud. It will get. It will get. It will get alarmingly loud. But anyway, the the news I was going to talk about was okay. that after we got out of this movie, we emerge onto the parking lot after like a three hour long movie, and there are about like twenty five cop cars scattered about the movie theater parking lot, and we leave. We're confused. What's happening? They direct us out. Get home. Look for news articles. Wake up this morning. Look for news articles. Then, finally, a day and a half later, I see that there was, like, a brawl of, like, 200 people outside the movie theater, but only two people got arrested. Yeah, when you say a brawl of 200 people... Like, I want to find a, a video, but I can't find one. Uh, well, I mean, I don't, you know, check worldstar.com, but, you Some know... Some fight videos. Um, when you say a brawl of 200 people, it's like... 
That's a war. Was there a brawl and there was 200 people? Because a 200 people brawl means that there were 200 people actively swinging fists at the same time. Which is like something that really... I mean, we were paying to see a movie in the theaters. You could have could have paid to see that, you know. And it's weird because there's only one article about it, and it's the same one every time. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, oh. it's suburban in Nashville, you know. I mean, it's Do not. You think they'll show a, a video? Probably not. You're probably just gonna get an advertising for Windex. You're probably right. Smokey, please stop snoring. Anyway, I don't think we'll find a video, but that was all I had really for news. Have you thought of any anything? <sighs> Anything to bring to the table? Anything to bring to the table. Smoky, um, any news? News in your world? I did find out that there is inexplicably a University of Tennessee volunteers themed water tower in um, Iraq. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, that's another one. That's very indeed, strange. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Big old vols over the there mysteries in of Iraq. college football, you know, as we embark on yet another college football season. Maybe they're just like really big golf fans. Maybe they like the Tennessee golf team. I assume it's football, huh? Uh-huh. Nobody gives a shit about football outside uh-huh. of America. They like golf, though. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. You know? Hmm. There was a... Um, they, well, they have, they have uh, American rules football in Europe, Australia, Mexico... I mean, pretty much everywhere. I don't think they. I don't think they necessarily play and play in Asia at least professionally. But it's it's a popular sport. I, I, I would say Iraqi people understand what football is. You know, they probably they probably they, understand golf. They, they, they pro- golf least especially. You physically can't. Okay, whatever. We're, we're, we're moving on <laughs> with this. You know. All right. Well, should I? Do you think I? I'll start the topic. Please do. So. This is something I've been researching Quick for a while. Pause. Did oh. any of our uh, audience go out and see the um, the movie Congo, nineteen ninety five? Tremendous movie. Um, I did not get any updates gorilla, on if anyone gorilla watched named Congo. Hamolka saves a day. All right. Well, you know. Um, did anyone? I told my mom to watch Rampage. I don't know if she did or not. She should watch Congo. Also a great gorilla movie. Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, anyway, whatever. Back to what I was Comment saying. Comment on Grace's Instagram if uh, if, if you did in fact. You know. Send send it to the at. ResearchProject at gmail.com. That's right. Yeah, that one. Or follow me at ResearchProject on Instagram. Dot com. Or, you know, you're my family. You can just call me. They text me and tell me their opinions anyway. Mm-hmm. So, as I was saying, this week I wanted to cover a topic that I kind of read about a long time ago, learned not enough about in history class, and then read about again. But so, have you heard of the Radium Girls? From you, yes. Okay, thank you. That, thank you for humoring me. <laughs> well. <laughs> Before you said that, uh, probably not. I feel like this is something that, like, something history teachers would throw out and they'd talk about it for five seconds and then they just moved on to the next boring thing that happened in the 1900s. Like, why are we talking about this more? You know, um... You know, the more we learn, the more we forget, as they say in history class, you know. That's very wise. Yep. And um, if we don't learn history, we are doomed to repeat it. All right. Well, enough of you. And history teaches us more about the present than it teaches us about the past. And, you know. Didn't they say that in Oppenheimer? Did they? I think that might have been a quote in there at one point. Yeah, they must have stolen it from me at some point. Ah, uh, you're right. I yes. forgot. Famous, famous quote from yes. you. Well, to learn about the radium girls, we first must learn about radium. So, sit tight. 
Okay, so Marie and Paul Curie discovered radium in 1898. Rocky doing this? Okay, please continue. Well, you got <laughs> this. interesting. I'm just messing with you. Go From ahead. the mineral pinch bladed Paris. So Marie Curie began working with radium while searching like for her doctoral thesis topic. And then a man named Henry Bacquerel discovered radioactivity in 1896 using uranium. However, Marie Curie was the one who actually turned radioactivity while... Like, could be because radioactivity is the description of the phenomenon caused by atomic decay. So while working with plinch blade, which is most like, like mostly made of radium, she found that there were likely more radioactive elements within the substance. So this led to the discovery of polonium and radium in 1898. Atomic decay, more like atomic parte, am I right? Oh. Continue. All right. So radium does not occur freely in nature, unlike uranium and polonium. So Marie and her assistant, André Debrine, Debrine, André Debrine, that looks about right, refined several tons of pinch blade, resulting in only a tenth gram of pure radium chloride in 1902. So radium makes up a very tiny amount of this pinch blade substance. Hmm. Anyway, after his re- after her this research... She was awarded her doctorate of science in 1902 and won the shared Nobel Prize in physics with her husband and that Henry Bacquerel guy in 1903, becoming the first woman to win the prize. Some years later, after the tragic death of her husband, Marie took her late husband's position as chair of physics at the Sawburn in 1904, becoming the university's first female professor. She also then kept working with the Dabernier, her assistant guy, to successfully isolate non-chloride radium. They succeeded in 1910, isolating pure metallic radium. She was awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1911, becoming the first person to win a second prize. Nice. So, so she, she won multiple Nobel Prizes? Mm-hmm. Wow, Nobel so, Prize, more like Nobel size, am I right? Continue. The first one was better. Curie continued to work investigating medical applications for radioactive substances, including using radium as a cancer therapy and working on radiology in World War One. So she really, like, pushed for, like, x-rays during World War One. She was, like, using radiology all the time. She was, like, out there helping out. Oh, wow. And then Marie Curie died well, in... Wasn't like, x-ray at that time actually incredibly harmful? Because you were just, like, bombarded Yeah, they were just, radiation. like, yeah, blasting people with radiation. Like, right. I'm doubting they wore, like, they didn't wear any sort of protection. Right. They just blasted them. Maybe their broken we'll arms could have sat there. return to that. <laughs> okay. So, Mary Curie died in 1934. She just my nose. <laughs> from anemia caused by 40 years of exposure to radioactive substances, which was most likely her being exposed to this, like, x-ray all the time. She sounds like the Billy May of, uh, of x-ray at the time. Just really wanted people to get x-rays. Yeah. But, I mean, x-rays... And just are- like Billy May died in a massive vat of, um... Clorox? Is that what he's all? What is that? Billy May? You don't, you don't know who Billy no, May is? I know. He's the one Billy May is here. He died in a plane crash, didn't he? What? He died. Oh. What? No, no. Is Billy that just what the government did? Billy Mays did not die in a Yes, he did. He died in a Absolutely. Look it up. Right now. Billy Mays did not die in a goddamn plane crash. It's not fucking Jim Croce. <laughs> I think he died in a plane crash. No, he did not. Oh, he died overnight. Yeah. He died a heart attack in his sleep. Everybody knows that Billy Mays would never get on a plane. I thought he died. Who died in a plane crash? Everyone knows his body's too toxic. He just melt right through the middle. <laughs> too much chlor. What, what, well, what, I what, it was what, Clorox. Was it Clorox? Let's see. God, what an off-topic thing to bring Billy up. Billy Mays here. Whoa, he looks totally different than he did in the picture before. 
CEO and founder of Maze Promotions. Okay, well, that's not what we care about. Oh, Arm & Hammer. What? What about the Arm & Hammer Man? Oh, I just want him always, always in clocks. Anyway, whatever. He, he didn't probably, die in a plane I crash. Think he, he died of a heart attack. He oh, was, he did OxyClean. OxyClean. Yeah. What a traitor to go do Arm & Hammer. That I bet he just, I, I bet he just drank too much OxyClean down the stretch. That's how he died. So it's kind of like Marie Curie. All right. Well, she was helping people Marie get Marie Curie. More like Marie Puree. It's right? Curie. Continue. Oh, okay. God. So she died. Yes, yes, yes. Both her and her husband, Pierre, overexposed themselves to radi- the radiation frequently. Wait, so, so, so she's French and she has a, a husband. She's actually named... Polish. But is her husband French? Uh, I think he was from France. I'm not sure. But the name Pierre Curie, I feel like he's I just, 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 he also worked just, just another nail in Forrest's coffin in terms of the fact that every one of every four Frenchmen are named Pierre. Continue. All right. <laughs> Well, so they, her and Pierre, exposed themselves frequently to radiation. Marie had slept with a little radium salt by her bed that shined in the dark as a very, very dangerous nightlight. Pierre carried a sample in his pocket to show his friends. He also knew the dangers of radium exposure and stated that he would never be caught dead in a full of, like, a kilo of radium, and he feared that it would melt his skin off. So he, like, knew not to fuck with it. A few of Curie's notebooks are on display at the Bibliotheque Nationale, and you have to sign a certificate saying that you understand the risk because they're so radioactive, radioactive they still like glow to this day. As radium's half-life is about 1,620 years. So in like 1,620 years, what then? That we half as bright? It's like half, that like half-life of like a radioactive element or like half. That's how long it takes for half of it to decay. So it'll be half as shiny? Well, it's like X, it's whatever. It will probably still glow a little bit, yeah. You're the science person. I mean, I'm just asking questions over here. Continue. We're both in STEM, technically. Kind of. All right. Well, (laughs) radium was thought to be a wondrous cure-all element and was sold everywhere, even though the Curies had some problems with it. Mm. Uh, It was said to cure cancer and added to tonics for other ailments such as fever, gout, anemia, constipation, and much more. It was a source for beauty and vitality, even. A newspaper article from New York Herald from October 14, 1921, titled Radium to Extend Life to 100 Years. It was dubbed liquid sunshine because it stimulated red blood cells, giving users rosy cheeks, and it was even used as, like, a aphrodisiac, you know? Radium? Yeah. Because people were just throwing it. You could get, It was sold over the counter in medicines such as Radithor, which is literally just radium water. It was oh. put in, like, butter. It was put in cosmetics. Radium was. Yes. Do they still do that today? No. Oh. For good reason. Okay. I will tell you why. Please. It was in makeup, and they even put it in chicken feed, hoping that chickens would lay fully incubated eggs. Like? Like, I think if if you're trying to have more chickens, does that mean, like, the incubation period is, like, the gestation period, almost, I for, think, like, chicken I think, eggs? No, no, incubation is, like... Like, fully so cooked. Hard, gonna... Come out hard-boiled. No. That would be nuts. No. So I think what incubation is, so the way it works is when a, um, I guess quick quick side side tangent, when a, when a mother hen lays an egg, remember she, has, she kind of has to sit on the egg for a while? Yeah. That's incubation. Yeah, you you have to it. keep the, well, but it's, you're not cooking a no, hobble egg, you're cooking it no, into it's a, for the baby. a happy young chick. Or like yeah, when yeah. you buy like chicken eggs, then you like want them for chickens, you put them in a little incubator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the incubator is normally the, the mother hens. So that's, know. I guess, the period when it's outside the mom. We're just really just speculating about chicken reproduction here. No, I know but it's when, a fact. Okay. Well, when the, so when the mama hen lays the egg, 
it has she has to sit on it for a yeah. while and then it hatches but yeah. i think she, they hope that it, it would just pop out be chickens ready chicken gnash that's just almost like a live birth it's a very very strange assumption to make. yeah I don't, know. I don't know where that came from anyway Radium also had a signature glow that was soon found to be useful in the upcoming war due to the electrical current it produces as it decays, which is radiation, but that's what gives it that little glow. So by the 1920s, it was used in paints for watches, scientific instruments, dials, etc., allowing these to be used in the dark, which was very, very helpful during World War I. Radium was the most valuable substance at the time, and it cost about $2.2 million per gram in today's money. Wow. So that's a lot. Radium dial factories in New Jersey, Illinois, Connecticut soon began producing watches, clocks, and instrument dials painted with radium paint so they can be seen in the dark. Women were often hired for these detail-oriented jobs, and they got to be listed as artists in their town directories. Mm. We should bring back a Yellow Pages. I think so. <sighs> I lost my spot. <laughs> I'll find it again. <laughs> These jobs were coveted as they were well-paid, skilled labor positions for women at the time. Their wages in dial factories were more, often more than three times that of normal, like, available jobs for women. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. There was an estimated 4,000 radium dial painters working in U.S. and Canada between 1917 and 1926, but in this job ranked in the top 5% of, like, best jobs for ladies. Wow. I don't know what number one at this time would be, just, like, probably a widow with a lot of money. <laughs> So America entered the First World War on April 6th, 1917. Women were now in more demand than ever in the workforce and luminous watches were also in very high demand overseas. Dow Painter's work was often seen as a patriotic contribution to the war effort as well. So another company ended up opening its doors in Ottawa, Illinois called Radium Dials in 1922. This factory created hundreds of jobs and promised a clean, safe workplace. Women also wanted to work with radium as it was still one of the most rare and popular compounds in the world. An instructor at this factory named Mercy Reed ate a spoonful of radium paint to prove that radium was a safe substance. So she just gobbled that thing. How'd she do? I didn't hear about how she did. But I'm guessing it wasn't great. Right. Girls loved working with radium. They would sprinkle the luminescent dust. So I guess like the radium paint. So radium came in like a little dust powder. Yeah. And they'd like mix it with water and like an adhesive to make paint. Mm -hmm. But so the radium dust would just poof up into the air all the time. So they would sprinkle this dust in their hair and put like the paint on their teeth and their nails so they would have a little glow. On Fridays, women often wear their best little going out dresses that they were going to take out to the, the speakeasies at night. So they could, like, dust them up with all the radium before they went out. So they were just rolling around in this stuff. That's pretty interesting. So the workers would walk home from work and were often dubbed ghost girls because, like, at night they just glowed because they were just covered in dust. And their, like, tissues, like, their Kleenexes even glowed after they blew their nose. So they thought this was pretty freaking sick. Yeah. The U.S. Radium Corporation opened in Orange, New Jersey in 1916 after receiving, like, a military contract to produce watches. They hired 70 ladies to paint and were well paid for the time. Well, the public was vastly unaware of the dangers of radium at this point. So this is 1916. Scientists and executives at these radium companies were kind of gaining information on how dangerous radium could be. They were taking steps to like protect themselves when handling radium. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, the women who practiced what was called at the time the point and lick routine or lip pointing where they were instructed to, like, in the paintbrush would get all smashed. So they'd, like, just so boop, and do a little lick to point it back up. And they'd continue to paint so that with a really fine, like, paintbrush. Huh. 
So women seems incredibly dangerous. Yes, the lip pointing was done like pretty much universally in the field. Women would do this all day and produced about two hundred and fifty dials per day, continuously just lapping up on that paintbrush this entire time. (laughs) The women were told that consuming radium was healthy, even while executives wore protective gear when handling the radium. The women were not warned of the dangers, even when they began to experience symptoms. So many of these women, including a woman named Amelia, Molly is what she went by, Magia, worked at the U.S. Radium Corporation. Molly began to suffer from toothache shortly after starting work at the Radium Corporation, U.S. Radium Corporation. The pain then spread to her hips and knees. The doctor diagnosed her with a common diagnosis for the radium workers at the time, which was syphilis. Early symptoms of syphilis are usually sores where the bacteria enter the body in a rash on the hands and feet. These are often difficult to notice as they're painless along with like a mild flu feeling. Left untreated, the bacteria will impact the nervous system, causing headaches, paralysis, and even dementia at the very end. This later phase can be fatal once the bacteria infects organs, shutting them down. So Molly was skeptical of this diagnosis as they, she did not really have any like nervous systems issues. She just had a lot of pain in her body because Hmm. it was deteriorating at the time. Molly went in and repeatedly had teeth pulled and doctors noticed that her jaw was being affected as well. Molly got multiple more opinions over the next few months and eventually passed away in 1922 with syphilis labeled as her cause of death. So Molly had died eight months after her first toothache and it was suspected that her tumors had opened up her jugular vein, flooding her throat with blood, resulting in a choking death. Oh my goodness. So she died that's, a pretty horrible death. That's, yeah, that's pretty horrific. So a year after her death, Molly's dentist had pulled an x-ray out of his drawer and noticed that the image was kind of like fogged up and made it unusable. So searching for like why this had happened in his drawer, he found fragments of Molly's jaw that he had removed at some point. The fragments were so radioactive that they like gave off radiation after her death and like messed up this X-ray. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and so Ma- is that like cancer then, or is that just like radiation poisoning? So she had tumors. Oh, I guess like radiation poisoning kind of like gives you cancer, right? I think that's we'll get into it. Uh, we'll get into it. Uh, uh, yep. So Molly worked for the U.S. Radium Corps along with another woman named Irene Rudolph. Irene experienced pain in her mouth similar to Molly's. Molly had left the factory before her symptoms got really bad, so many of the workers did not know, like, Molly's fate. Yeah. At the end, she just left work one day and never came back. Irene's frequent trip to the doctor drained her bank account, and her doctor ended up diagnosing her with Fossey Jaw, which is an ailment (laughs) resulting... It sounds kind of funny. Resulting from working closely with phosphorus. Workers at a matchstick factory in England during the 1800s had ulcers and pains in their mouth because they were working with a lot of phosphorus. Hmm. Their jaw bones also experienced necrosis and died, similar to these girls working at the radium factories. The infection spread throughout the mouth, resulting in ulcers. Irene's symptoms matched these of people with fossy jaw, a string of ulcers, and discharge in, like, visible dead bone. They said that, like, people, they pulled people's teeth with this, and you could, like, see their jaw bone. Because it was just, like falling apart in their mouth. Why was it affecting their mouths so much? Because they were licking. Oh, because licking? Yeah. Really? Huh. We'll get to it. Oh, oh. Right. <laughs> so a group... Keep asking questions. I've, we'll get I've, to it. I've, I've got plenty. Okay. Yeah. A group of chemists studied U.S. radium paint formula for a lethal amount of phosphorus after Irene's diagnosis of falsy jaw in the beginning of 1923. The company claimed they did not use lip pointing and it was found that there was no phosphorus in the paint. 
so U.S. radium was in the clear, which is a big lie about the lip pointing, but they did research, and that's, like, the main thing that, like, everyone was like, oh, it's Fossy Jaw, but there's obviously no phosphorus in this factory. Irene's physicians did not know what to do now, and her symptoms were continuously getting worse. Irene passed away in July of 1923 at 21 years old, so Irene's cousin, a woman named Catherine Donahue, who also worked at the factory, began to hear rumors about Molly's symptoms while mourning her cousin. One day, Catherine had a toothache as well and began to get sick. She heard more news of other women dying, including one of the workers who apparently had died of an illness called Vincent's angina, which is also called trench mouth. Trench mouth? So, so people die of this when the tissue in the throat becomes so infected that it dislodges, blocking the windpipe. When this wow. is usually a bacterial infection. That sounds infection. way worse than uh, trench foot. Yeah, trench mouth sounds awful. Trench foot. I don't. Is yeah, like, I don't really understand how trench mouth works. It just said it's usually a bacterial infection. Like, I don't think people talk <laughs> about the dangers of trench foot actually enough. You know, trench foot seems bad. That was just they got that in World War One too, didn't they? It was just like it was just like wet, like it was just like wet busted up feet during the war. Like you, yeah, you just gotta take your dogs out once in a while, like air them out. Yeah. But they couldn't do that. Yeah. It was, it was just like pretty much just compounding infections, I feel like. Yeah, it was just like really your, infected feet, yeah. you know? So Catherine filed a report with the Department of Health the day after her cousin Irene's death. She mentioned lip pointing and the Department of Health called the factory. Of course, U.S. Radium Corporation denied this claim, so the Department of Health let it go. Catherine heard more stories through 1923, including a coworker dying of gangrene, one developing a limp, and another never returning to the factory after going to the dentist. Spooky. The company released a statement to not lip point after more women began to ask questions, but it was a very like half-hearted recommendation not to lip point, and they gave the reason that the saliva was harming the paint, not that the anything else was going on. Hmm. So Dr. Barry, the man that had treated Irene and Catherine, was stumped about what was making these girls sick after Fossy Jaw was ruled out. So he was the one that like went up and like wanted to get the paint tested for phosphorus because that's what he initially had diagnosed these girls with. What did, what did it, did it, like, did he think anything of the fact that it was just, like, testing 100% for radium? <laughs> I guess not. No. no. At this time, I guess, it's really hard because now we just know that radium is, like, bad for yeah. you. But, like, at this time, they just had no clue. And it was big being marketed to, like, the general public as something that was, like, this, like, wonder drug, pretty much. Yeah. So everyone's like, it couldn't be that. No way. But, like, like, TikTok and the degradation of our moral fiber as a community. Exactly. TikTok is the radium of our, of our day. So the two sisters from the factory also visited Dr. Barry with jaw pain. He met with the girls and speculated about what was causing this since it was not phosphorus. This created the first like communication network between physicians and like multiple of these dial painters. Because it really, I guess it's like, I guess it's kind of also hard to think about you don't have like social media and like you, if you just hang out like, how do I know what's going on in my work friends' life? Like if you don't hang out with them outside of work. Oh, yeah. Like, they could be having major health ailments. You wouldn't know. So he encouraged the girls to quit their jobs and asked their co-workers to as well, which was a very difficult task to ask for women who desperately, like, wanted these jobs. So separately, in another city, in the Big Big Apple, New York, another worker at a radium factory received an x-ray, which was a very new technology at the time, as we found out. So this worker suffered from necrosis and had tiny holes in her jaw, 
the doctor describing it as moth-eaten and diagnosed her with osteomyelitis, which is a bone infection Wait, of the jaw. They, they, she, the, the doctor described their her jaw as moth-eaten. Yeah. God, that's pretty. That's um, like the worst thing that you want to hear. You yeah, hate moths. Yeah, it sounds like a real nightmare. Sounds like a real bummer. Yeah. <laughs> so her infection in her jaw originally spread to her lymph nodes and it was suspected Fossey jaw as usual, but noted that she did not work with phosphorus. So yeah. this dentist had a like speech coming up that he wanted to like give to these other dentists because he was like, this is so weird about her case. And he added a footnote in this speech stating that the cause of her illness was due to radium and dubbed the case radium jaw, which at the time, radium jaw was a thing, but it was only a condition given to cancer patients who were being treated with radium and got like oral bacterial infections. Yeah. So they knew that like radium would do this to people. Hmm. So this dentist was the first to note that radium could have caused these symptoms, but it was unknown if this footnote was like delivered during the speech. So I guess in like the paper copy, they saw that he'd written this down, but they right. weren't sure if he actually like presented this to his peers. The U.S. radium workers were dying for years, and the company was claiming these deaths were usually from, like, syphilis or other unrelated illnesses. Women began to go to dentists and doctors complaining of toothaches or jaw aches, um, as well as other various ailments. The women at this time did not know that, that the U.S. radium corporation was paying off dentists and doctors in the area to diagnose them with syphilis or to just keep them quiet. Wow. So, real schemey. Syphilis was fat cats. Yeah, syphilis was even written on these women's charts and in their death certificates, even though like they weren't testing positive for syphilis. Like they had a test for syphilis, and they were not testing positive. I'm sure maybe some of them did, but who knows? Hmm. Not all of them. It wasn't their problem. Once Dr. Blum determined that the cause of these illnesses were radium jaw, workers were leaving the factory in waves. So people started to know, and like this one doctor in New Jersey was like, hey, this is what's going on. You should probably stop. And people were believing him. So soon a family of a deceased worker requested compensation for their daughter's death, um, mainly for like the hospital bills that had piled up. The US Radium Corporation invited a Harvard professor to do an independent investigation into their factory. The company seeked out girls uh, with tooth infections and they sat them down with Dr. Barry, this like local dentist guy in hopes of getting the workers to stop quitting. So Dr. Berry recommended you closing the factory, but of course this could not be done. Instead, US Radio just continued to operate as usual. So- Seems like you just could just put them in like protective gear and then everyone just keep working and stop getting rid of the So while in the intermittent, Dr. Berry checks these people out, US Radio says, yeah, they're fine. So the Harvard inspection, comes around and it occurred on April 16th of 1924 and these professors that came in they were both they're like a couple they called the drinkers doctor doctor drinker drinker they immediately was, saw was their last name drinker yes okay <laughs> just, just just clarifying it for everybody else <laughs> i feel like i'm just like going insane right now so they immediately saw how dangerous this factory was and were stunned that like people were working in these conditions Radium particles covered every surface and dust of the like paint powder floated in the air and none of the workers were wearing protective gear. The investigators met with one of the workers who was very sickly and had leaking sores of her mouth that were poorly covered by a facial bandage. And another worker was like walking with a cane. After seeing these girls, the drinkers requested further investigation of the factory in May. So the next month in May, they interviewed the U.S. Radium's chief chemist, a man named Edward Lehman, 
who had sores on his hands from working with radium, but he denied that radium caused these sores or any of the ailments on the female workers. Doctors searched the workers' teeth and necks for swollen lymph nodes. A female physician requested that the girls disrobe and they turned off the lights like in the bathroom at this company. And the girls just like stood there and just glowed. And they were like, whoa, <laughs> that's so bad. So workers at the factory would paint radium into their skin before dancing their dates, as I said before. But sometimes they realized that this would cause like skin irritation. So they kind of had like an inkling that this was going badly. And like the radium paint like wouldn't really come off. Goodness gracious. But yeah. Doctors received blood tests from the girls, which came back negative for phosphorus, as we already knew. Of course, U.S. Radium withheld information and claimed a viral infection was going through their factory. The company threatened these, like, Harvard investigators with a lawsuit if they released any more information, but they found another way to study these effects other than, like, releasing info on the employees. Yeah, they bought radium. <laughs> it's in everything yeah. they bought a tub of butter and gave it to their dog and their dog died is that how it went they could have done that okay i just don't really understand like what the u.s radium was like looking to accomplish when they hired these two professors and then they told them the truth and they're like wait don't say that like they like knew what was going on yeah but they still were like bringing people in to like work with them we'll learn that they paid a lot of people off so maybe they tried to do that yeah anyway yeah. So the Harvard investigators, the drinkers, tracked down doctors and dentists in the area who had patients that worked at the factory. They found a few girls, too, and got to know how they were exposed to radium. They estimated girls ingested about 100 milligrams, which was about the weight of a honeybee, of paint per day while lip pointing. So they were eating a shit ton of radium because they just were, like, licking their paintbrushes so much. You know, this is a very a, nefarious a very company. dangerous honeybee. This is, nefar this is a very nefarious company. But if I was working in a candy factory, nonetheless, I'm not just going to like constantly cover myself in sugar and just eat <laughs> nothing but sugar and like dive and swim around in the sugar all yeah, day. Yeah, I guess. Like too much of anything can but, be. But like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give them a solid 0.5% of the blame here. All right. Forum victim blaming, but only slightly. 0.5% oh, of the blame. victim blaming. That's greater than zero. It it's not zero. I'm going to give them a non-zero blame. <laughs> I'm giving the company 99.5% of the blame. But not 100. Not 100, unfortunately. All right. Well... The drinkers published their original article linking radium. A bread paint. factory. I'm not going to just walk around covered in bread. The but pigeons. Like, think of the pigeons. But like, you got to think how cool radium is at this time. No one should glow, okay? You know? Well, they didn't know that. I mean, you know, you know. These women could barely have jobs. You know, you know, you know if, if, if men were meant to fly, and give us wings, you know? Like, if like, we were meant to blow, we could do it. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, if we were meant to blow, we'd be covered in fireflies. Mm-hmm, damn it. Joe Biden of goddamn Texas. All right, keep talking. Keep right. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so the drinkers published their original article linking the radium and the paint to radium jaw in Vincent Sangina in the factory and subsequently the death of all these girls. U.S. radium still refused to change their ways, fearing profit losses. Girls continued to get sick and U.S. radium refused to help with any medical bills. On February 24th of 1925, the first lawsuit was filed by a dying co-worker, Margaret Carlo against U.S. Radium. A few more gir girls joined the case against U.S. Radium, and they were dubbed the Radium Girls by the press. Surprisingly, the public did not respond right away to this drinker's like report being released that Radium was killing all these girls in this factory. They could not believe that the substance they had bought 
as a miracle drug was actually killing people and possibly even hurting themselves. And U.S. Radium's chief scientist, Dr. Edward Lehman, who had previously ignored that his sores all over his hands were due to radium, died a few months after the drinker's investigation of mysterious circumstances. So the doctor, Dr. Edward Lehman, was very well connected and abdued, so the company decided to launch an investigation into his death. Lehman had died a very quick case of anemia, and he did not have radium jaws like the girls, so anemia could be treated in the 1920s and was a very slow-working disease, so it was very uncommon that the doctor's case had killed him in only a few weeks. So lead can cause anemia as it targets the bone where red blood cells are made, but radium also can cause anemia, even though at the time it was sold as a medicine for anemia. So the death of this red flag and caused a ruffle at the U.S. radium office because they're like, oh shit, someone we actually care about died. It eventually reached Newark's New Jersey's chief medical examiner, Dr. Harrison Martland. And I guess this Harrison Martland guy, he dubbed the term punch drunk for boxers. Like after they get hit in the head really hard. Yeah. He's the one that like made that term up. Oh, really? Yes. Did he do anything else important? This. It's pretty good. He was like a he was like an army doctor dude. That's that's, that's medical a couple examiner. big things. He's an exciting guy. Yeah. So Dr. Martland was well liked and had been consulted by a dentist at one point who was treating dial painters before, but lost interest in his words. Is Punch Drunk Love and Adam Sandler movie? I don't know. Well, all right. <laughs> uh, Pongo, look it up. Dr. Martland immediately suspected radium poisoning for the doctor's cause of death, but there was none found in his system, even though he worked with the substances daily. He reached out to an Austrian radium expert and previous co-founder of the U.S. Radium Corporation, Dr. Sabin Arnold von Shashoki. They knew radium caused burns at the start, but ignored this. So, at first, the U.S. Radium Corporation founders, like, knew about radium from the start, and just continued on with their company. So they extracted its radium from uranium, a process that produces like a sand-like waste, I guess. In an attempt to save a penny, they sold their waste to schools to fill their sandboxes. Children began to complain that their skin was burning from the hygienic sand that they were sold. Wait, 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 hold the fucking phone. Oh gosh, okay. Punch Drunk Love did have Adam Sandler in it, I was right. Continue. <laughs> 2002, 2002 film uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Well, I have Dr. not seen it, so I won't render a review, but I will watch it. Dr. Sabin Arnold von Sasoki sold radioactive sand to children. Yeah. Okay. And, and Adam Sandler was in Punch Drunk Club. Like, we're both contributing here. Like, I don't know. So von Sasoki yeah. and his co-founder were kicked out of their own company after this incident in 1921. So, Dr. Martland and Von Satoki discovered that the deceased chemist's bones emitted radiation, whereas the rest of his body did not. So, radium had deposited into his skeleton. So, when the body gets radium, 80% of the radium that enters is excreted as waste, while 20% is mistaken as calcium and deposited into the bones. There, the radium rots the skeleton and cannot be removed. So, that's how radium, like, gets in you. Wow. And I guess this is... I know nothing about radioactivity, really, but I guess there's alpha, beta, and gamma rays. And alpha rays is something a lot that, like, radium gives off. They usually will just kind of bounce off your body, but, like, once it gets into your body, it, like, settles in. Whereas I think, like, beta rays can just penetrate right through you. Well, everyone knows that gamma rays 
gives us the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I was what those, seeing when that was going to come into play. Banner, you know, just tearing out of his shirt. He's always wearing those goddamn purple shorts. How does he have so many purple one. shorts as a scientist? Well, you know, times were simple back then. People could wear what they wanted to, you know? Mm. I wish I could wear purple shorts all day. Yeah, I know. Really stretchy ones, apparently. Incredibly yeah, stretchy. Yeah, incredibly people. stretchy. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it's an interesting topic, the Hulk, you know? You remember Lou Ferrigno? No. Lou Ferrigno was a popular American bodybuilder in the 1970s, 80s, and he actually played... This is not a movie review. Don't stop the timer. I right was now. just thinking about it. And, uh, yeah, he was the, the first... Um, well, he was the first... Uh, he, I, I can't remember if he was the actual first live-action impersonation of the Hulk, because the Hulk was a popular Marvel comic, you know? Yes, that's true. And uh, Lou Ferrigno was just really a big, beefy dude, because, you know, now, 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 now we have fucking Mark Ruffalo, that limp, you know, wristed oh, fuck. Oh, I like Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, he's not the Hulk. He okay. looks more like a scientist. No, he looks like... You can't tell me any bodybuilder looks like a scientist. Okay, well, Lou Ferrigno was not... No, they, there was a different guy playing Dr. David Banner. Lou Ferrigno was just a Hulk. Well, you know? Bruce Banner, or whatever, what's his name? Mark Ruffalo doesn't, he isn't the Hulk, he's Bruce Banner. So yeah, I'm saying he looks at like the doctor, but when but when he gets all big, change the face. He's not oh, like... Oh, the face makes sense. No, it doesn't know. make sense, you know? Yeah. They keep kind of their face. No, they, well, that's not really. <sighs> a you little know? bit. Yeah, even, even, even the... Even in the Edward Norton movies, they spared the audience the the respect of at least like you know kind of fuss, fussing up his face a little bit when he turned. They into fuss the Hulk. it up a little. They make they, like, they he like stills wears glasses when he's the Hulk in, in, in some of these Marvel movies. Well, now. that's because he figured out how to tame his Hulkness, and he's civil when he's a Hulk. It's so stupid. Okay, I don't know. I'm just saying. I prefer the Edward Norton Hulk. I'm movies. sure Mark Ruffalo was a far better actor than Edward Norton. I don't know. I think, I think I think Edward Norton actually has Oscars, just saying, you know. There do you, do you know who Edward Norton is? No. Is, is this just a name in the wind? Is this a fart <laughs> yes. in the wind to you? Edward Norton could be your uncle. What? I don't know who he is. I think, no, Edward Norton's like, God, be like 55, maybe 60. He could be my uncle, actually, yeah. Gosh, yeah, that's fair. Um... Well, now we gotta watch the Edward Norton Hulk movies. They're pretty good, you know. They got. Um, we should have turned on the. Time. They got. They got William Hurt in them. Now, this is not a forced movie. The, the yes, it is. Forced movie review is around the corner. You're, you know. Oh, gosh, yeah. All right. I can't believe what's gonna happen here. All right, whatever. So anyway, so they realized once examining the lead chemist skeleton that the radium girls could not be cured. So Margaret Carlo and Sarah Miffler were with the U.S. Radium Corporation when the drinkers did their inspection and were part of their report. The two sisters agreed to let Dr. Markland and Von Sachoki examine them with an electrometer, which I guess is an instrument that they use to detect radiation. The doctors developed a new use for the expired air method to detect radon, which I guess is a byproduct of radium degeneration. Sarah was bedridden in June of 1925 when she was tested for radium, and she obviously had very large amounts of it in her system. Sarah passed away two days after her test at age 35. Dr. Markland did an autopsy and spread like x-ray film over this girl's like body, which darkens with exposure to radium. So you know how like when you get an x-ray, your bones show up white? Mm -hmm. This was almost yeah. like flipped because <laughs> if you put x-ray on or like paper on her, yeah. and her skeleton just showed up black on it. Ugh. So like it like flipped it, and they were like, "Wow, she got a lot of radium in her, or radiation, I guess." So newspapers finally picked up this story, 
The U.S. radium's deceased chief scientist and two terminally ill dial painters had radium in their bones. The U.S. Radium Corporation addressed the press saying that they were running an internal investigation with a man named Dr. Frederick Flynn, who had examined dial painters at another factory and concluded that they were A-OK. -okay. Dr. Flynn examined dozens of dial painters at the U.S. Radium Corporation and collected blood and then told them that they were totally fine, even when they had very, like, visible physical ailments. Dr. Flynn did not have a medical license, as it turns out, but had a Ph.D., and his assistant, like, during these tests, was an executive at the Radium Corporation. So this was an inside job. An inside job? An inside job. Oh. So his report on the U.S. Radio... to high heaven. It does. It's, it reeks. Came out at the end of 1926 and stated that jaw necrosis was due to a bacterial infection. He also reported that no radioactivity was found in any of the dial painters and no danger was found in the dial painting occupation. So one woman that he examined, named Grace Fryer, who was 18 at the time, was told that she was healthier than he was, but she knew she was sick. Grace told the corporation that she would not settle for anything less than $5,000, which is $72,000 today, for like her medical bills. U.S. Radium denied this while Grace continued to get more and more sick. Grace's legs broke and her spine was impacted so badly that she had to wear a steel back brace. So she was really out to get. U.S. Radium, even though she was, like, falling apart. A man named Raymond Hurst Berry, a recent Harvard graduate, agreed to take Grace Fryer along with four other women's case in 1927. They were seeking $250,000, which is about $3.4 today, in damages to pay their medical bills and to pretty much inevitably fund their funerals because at this point they knew that they were not going to make it very mm -hmm. long. So during the hearing... Barry claimed that the U.S. Radium always knew that its pain was dangerous and it went to trial. U.S. Radium offered Grace a settlement, but she denied and went to court. The U.S. Radium Corporation repeatedly attempted to delay once they were taken to trial. Like, they would send their executives, like, on vacation so they, like, weren't there to testify. And it was predicted that a few women would be dead within the year, and they, like, knew this. So they, this did not sit well with the public, and they rallied around the Radium girls by the time the trial began, none of the young women could raise their hands to take the oath, and two of them were bedridden. So these girls were pretty messed up Like by the time this finally got to trial. So Grace Fryer said that Dr. Von Sachoki, when he was at U.S. Radium, warned her against lip painting, indicating that the U.S. Radium Company knew the dangers all along. So you know how like he used to work there? He like had warned her way back when, like, don't lip paint. So like indicating that they knew about it, but they were just like letting it happen. <sighs> So Dr. Von Sachoki confirmed that he warned her against painting not because of the paint, but because of the bacterial issue. And Dr. Von Sachoki had a change of heart and assured that radium wasn't to blame. No one knows why he, like, flipped from helping with Dr. Marklin to then, like, being, like, back on U.S. radium's side. But Von Sachoki died of anemia months after the trial, similar to the head scientist at U.S. radium. So this man's a dirty little flip-flopper. The lawyer, Barry, called on Dr. Martland next to testify how radium had saturated within the woman's bones, making them sick. Dr. Martland was popular and more scientists stepped up to confirm his findings during the trial. After a turbulent case with the deaths of some of the girls seeming to be near in the future, U.S. Radium Corporation and the Radium Girls settled in 1928 due to the delays that they kept coming up with. The girls settled to receive $10,000, which is $150,000 each, 
up front and then $9,000 per year for the rest of their lives, and which this wasn't very long. And this was only if they consented to further medical examination by the Radium Corporation. So U.S. Radium wanted to clear Radium and was really never found guilty because they, like, settled, you know? Right. They were not liable for poisoning the girls, and Radium was not at fault. So the Radium industry continued. For how long? Coming up. Okay, coming up. So, uh, but by this time, about 50 women had died from Radium paint poisoning by 1927. The working conditions had to change after these deaths, and the court ruling... Lip pointing was banned and women were given protective clothing to prevent contamination. Finally, even though these were recommended very early, like from the drinkers in that independent study. Right. So they made a very dramatic impact on the health of workers. Hmm. So the watchmaking kind of continued on, even though more and more dial painters could come forward and sue like other various radium companies across the country. But in a little small win, more like the death certificates of the deceased women that were previously labeled as syphilis were changed to the actual like radium cause of death. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. Anyway, so radium finally began to lose popularity with the public after this trial and after seeing like the status of the women who had been eating and consuming radium all this time. In 1931, a man lost his jaw after drinking radium water several times per day for 10 years. Radithor, as I like mentioned earlier, was like radium water, was removed from the shelves and the man died not long after acute radiation syndrome. So in the 1930s, um, they were like, so the 1930s were plagued with radium product horror stories and the products were steadily removed from shelves. After another study, it was found that the maximum safe radium dose for humans is about 0.1 milligrams, which is a millionth of the weight of a dollar bill. Wow. So a very tiny amount. The dial painters, on average, consumed 0.7 to 23 milligrams, which is a ton. That's a lot. And soon after, the U.S. created the nuclear bomb, and radiation was back in the news. So in 1942, we, you asked earlier about if the radium corporations would ever stay open. That sounds right. So in 1942, the U.S. Radium Corporation hit its peak number of employees, and in 1957, the Environmental Protection Agency found radiation in the soil and air around that New Jersey factory. And however, they did not stop using radium paint until 1968. And in 2006, 135,000 tons of soil with radium in it were removed from the area around the New Jersey factory. Hmm. So from like 1927 to 68 was like, they knew it was bad. Well, 1928 to 1968, they knew it was bad, but they were still doing it. Wow. Well, a couple points. First, the EPA, tremendous organization, founded by Richard Nixon. You like the EPA? Hmm? That's good. Yeah, you know. Poorly functioning organization, but they do their best, you know? Hmm. All right, another All right. point. Throughout these episodes, or throughout this episode, um, hearing about a lot of, you know, a lot of slow deaths, you know? Slow death of these uh, poor ladies. Slow death of the uh, of the radium industry, you know? Which reminds me of another slow death. Oh, no. Slow death of Amadeus Mozart. That's oh, right. That's gosh, right. Gosh, no! Of welcome course to, you're going to make welcome me to, welcome hear to about Smoothie this. Corner. Let me get the time wrong. 1984, the uh, year that uh, released, uh, you know, released uh, the, the movie Amadeus, you know, uh, for which um, starred uh, Tom Hulse, uh, who had fame from the movie uh, Animal House, and um, F. Murray Abraham, uh, who actually won the Oscar for this movie. Tom Hulse stars as uh, Amadeus Mozart, 
And uh, really, the movie really centers around um, uh, <gasps> Salieri, who was a uh, who's a court composer in the uh, church in the uh, court of uh, Austria. Anyway, Salieri has uh, sworn his life to God to make him the world's greatest composer. Well. Salieri has sworn his his life and his and his chastity to God to make him the world's greatest composer, and yet he stares and witnesses the the rise of the great composer Mozart. And Mozart comes to Vienna. Four followers running away. They like my movie recommendations. This is a great movie. Okay. Anyway, Salieri hates Mozart as he comes in and kind of starts to steal his thunder and steal all of his fame and fortune. You know, you know, Salieri had kind of sworn his life, his chastity to to God to make him the best composer. And it's like, and it's like God. You said you you repeat. I can I can count about twenty facts of the. Well, I'm gonna cut mine out. Ah, you're not going to add any of this, whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, so basically Salieri kind of considers it uh, you know, a, a great trick played by God to bring Mozart into his life. And anyway, he you know, disavows God and ruse to um, destroy Mozart. So Mozart is just kind of this wild young rock star type who's kind of a heavy drinker and big partier. And he's you know, getting all this fame, but you know, he's kind of uh, a little too little too loose with it, you know, and his drinking is starting to get the best of him. All, all the while, uh, Salieri is doing everything he can to sabotage him. Generally culminates in him um, essentially uh, kind of f- uh, framing himself as uh, Mozart's mentor, all the while trying to work him to death. And there's all this... Oh, it's like, like whiplash. Exactly, exactly. And there's all this sort of skullduggery where, you know, Mozart's father, who's kind of an abusive figure in his life, you know, dies. And Salieri convinces him that his late father, you know, wants him to finish this massive opera. Ultimately, Mozart dies, uh, you know, collapses from exhaustion and dies uh, from trying to finish this one opera. I think the opera is called like Requiem or something like that. Anyway. So oh, Mozart dies. Mozart does die in the end. Um, it's a tr- Is that a true story? Huh? Uh, I think it's considered the movie took a lot of liberties. You know, like, I, people don't really think... I think Salieri was a real person. They just don't think he had that much of an impact on Mozart. Mozart's day-to-day. Uh, but it's a beautiful movie. You get, if, you, if you haven't watched it, it's fantastic. Uh, Tom Hulse is awesome in it. Uh, F. Murray Abraham won the Oscar for it. But really, like, it's like one of the best, like, you know, I'm going to give, for the first time in this podcast, I'm giving a four and a half out of five. It's my highest oh. rating I've given a movie, I think. I feel like you gave the Congo that. No, Congo got like a 3.25 out of five, actually. For those of us who remember Force Movie Corner. I right. take time to kind of black out a little. God, you know, on, a, on, on an hour and a half podcast, I take three <laughs> minutes to talk about a movie and it's considered a no, bore? I don't think so. Unbelievable. Think okay, well, whatever. You know, stay tuned next week where I'll once again be punished for talking about film. Continue. Well, we actually might... You know, we might be on a little break because I will be gone for a couple months. And I'm gonna re- I'm, I'm gonna record like a voice memo where I just talk about a couple movies and rate them. Where I'm gonna post it like that could be like yeah, the, the intermittent yeah. like all right black market research project thing. Yeah. But so how do you do you do you remember any of the Radium Girl story now? Do you yeah. recall anything? I mean, I need to start quizzing you again. I kind of forgot. You, you could do was forced paying attention. I found that to be. A very enriching, uh, interesting tale that was an incredibly um, thorough telling of that story. Yeah, I really, I, I don't know what my problem is, but I really try to like cut out, I literally have notes on my computer that say like, don't say exact numbers, 
take out stuff that's boring. And I still just have to like recite everything I've well, found. I found it all incredible. It, it seems like you are choosing with this podcast, you're choosing more like a Dan Carlin's hardcore history sort of vibe rather than like a My Favorite Murder or Last Podcast on the left. And frankly, I think that's a, that's a good move, you know? Like My Favorite Murder and Last Podcast, when those guys do a topic, I'll bet they have about a page of notes. I glance over your computer, you have about 15 and you make the type really, really small. So... <laughs> You just you just, you just just more information. It, it benefits you like, all that much. And you, you know, know, sometimes it's somewhere boring. in there. And sometimes I lose my spot on my eleven pages. For, if, and you know what? Somewhere in these in, in these you know enriching you know spiel's about important topics, Forrest raises his head to talk about a movie he likes, and Grace you know throws verbal tomatoes at him the entire time, and he's booed off the stage. And yet I just kind of come back every week to talk no, about. No, I like movie. your movies. This is someone with radium jaw. Isn't that crazy? Was that? That is pretty crazy. You know, it looks like, um, gosh, she has like a bullfrog chin. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. Well. History is not often pretty. You know what's really pretty? pretty? The cinematography in the 1984 classic Amadeus. Mm, I see. Yes. I see where that was going. Yes. Well, no, I like your movie corner. I think you should continue it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, on that note, we've learned about the Radium Girls. We've learned about Salieri. The treachery of Salieri. So, I have a, a plethora of sources. I will put them in the show notes. Thanks for sitting through this long one with me. I thought it was riveting, yeah. I hope you learned something. Yeah. I, I learned to not touch radium. That's you know? good. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. And I learned that, you know, as I said earlier in this podcast, history, if we don't learn from it, we are doomed to repeat it. And, uh, you know, we seem to be taught over and over again the treachery of uh, corporate greed. It seems to be a tale as old as time. Just like the jealousy of one musician on another. You want to hear something fun? Sure. And then, then we're done. Okay. After your cool ending. So, alpha rays are the ones that are only bad if you eat them. Beta rays cause beta burns because they can partially kind of penetrate the skin. And gamma rays are the ones rippling that can pass muscle. through the person. Green skin, rippling muscle, awesome because they can pass through the skin, damaging all the cells. Right. Okay. Okay. That was all. Well, thank all you right. very much. Thanks for sitting with me. Tremendous episode. I again. guess I'll see everyone in two months. That's right. Grace is going to have plenty of stories from the from the from the northeast. The great state of Vermont. Yep. She's you know over these two months we take a kind of minor hiatus. I am. I know I said I was going to be researching an episode. Um, You're actually going to do it. Yeah, I'll probably use some free time to do it. You know. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Solid. Well, I'll be ready when I get back. Perfect. Alrighty. Bye-bye!